0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Talking Upstream. My name is Zach, and uh this fellow over here, this is Dylan, obviously, the one with the wide eyes, uh, Mr. Dylan. We are some nobodies and uh we're content creators. And if you've never seen this show before, what we do is we just create content with some of our favorite creators. Uh, we like to make podcasts, we like to make TV shows, we have a movie in production right now, which I'm very excited about. Um but yeah so we just like showing people how we create all the weird stuff that we make if you listen to one of our podcasts like silicon angels people always ask us where do you come up with these ideas uh and it is an intriguing question because i can't mm-hmm. answer that on the show. uh but uh yeah we wanted to just show people what it what we do to get from a very empty whiteboard to something weird like a podcast or a movie uh but before we get into any of that mr dylan how are you sir
1: doing well today zach pretty well how about you
0: I am great. I'm, All right. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually a little beyond great. Okay. Uh, because I'm very excited for our guest today. Last week, we had a great guest. We have Miss Jess yeah. on, who is an amazing actor, amazing writer, amazing producer. Uh, she is loads of fun, especially with, <laughs> with her uh, foam donuts Food. and everything else. That she yeah. Does. Uh, yeah, uh, but this week though, uh, amazingly enough, and I was saying this off camera, I tried to uh, give Dylan a bit of a of a <laughs> present. Uh, what well, if you watch any of our weird shows or talk or listen to any of our podcast about us, you will know that one of Dylan's favorite shows of all time is The Expanse. And when we started interviewing creators, we reached out to as many people (laughs) that had to deal with The Expanse as possible. (laughs) And the first person to write us back very, very quickly, and I'm so excited. uh, Dylan, do you want to introduce our guest this week, pretty please?
1: Yeah, so this week we are going to be joined by actor and writer Hallie Lambert, who uh, a fair amount of her work is on The Expanse. So she has some other credits, we'll probably ask her about as well. So uh, let's welcome Hallie Lambert.
2: Hello. Hello. Hi, Hi, Lambert. How
0: are you? today?
2: <laughs> I'm very well. Thank you.
0: Good. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. What, like I said earlier, we are beyond excited to here. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we love uh, when we were looking over uh, on the IMDb page under your like your resume. It's like, wow, this is incredible. Uh, and not only for writing, for acting and everything else. But oh. do you want to tell do you want to tell people who watch this and listen to this like what what you're the most proud of?
2: Um, probably The Expanse, I would say. Um, It's the one that I feel like I've had the most hands-on contribution to uh, from the very beginning. Um, And, you know, it took a long time getting there, kind of took a circuitous route from getting out of school and kind of went to the acting a little bit and just found that that wasn't the place for me. (laughs)
1: All right.
2: Yeah. You know, um, it was fun and I admire actors, but it just I would freeze. I freeze on camera. I'm great on stage. But once I get in front of a camera, I'm just like, "Uh, what was my life? (laughs) So so that was a short, you know, uh, stint there. But um, I think. Finding myself at the expanse and like I said, being there from the beginning and really being with the showrunner and the creators and being able to put my two cents into things was really an accomplishment, I think, and has taken me um into new new realms, which has been fun.
1: Yeah. Um, had you read the Expanse novel series before you got onto the show? Okay.
2: No, I hadn't. I hadn't heard of it, um, unfortunately. I actually Funny enough, um, didn't read a whole lot of science fiction. Um, I enjoy fantasy and genre stuff, but um, and I, you know, Carl Sagan was always one of the authors that I enjoyed reading, so I enjoyed space and stuff, but I never really had gotten into a lot of real science fiction sort of. Works, and I was reading um, scripts for the showrunner of the show. I he was my has been my mentor for years, and um, we we're looking for the next project to go work on. And I remember reading the pilot that uh, Mark and Hawk had written, and I was like, oh my gosh, this it just grabbed me, and. You know, originally the explosion of the Canterbury was in the it was in the pilot. It got changed into a two hour episode. But and I just remember when that ship exploded, and I was like sitting in my bed. I'm like, I have Narain, the showrunner, has to read this. We have to work on it because if we do, then I could get to you know work on it too. And you know that's what happened. So it was good.
1: Uh, what had you you say you had read kind of like fantasy and other sort of spec like speculative fiction is there like a series that you would say is probably the one that you go to or might have inspired you more
2: um well growing up i was always i i liked like the sherlock holmes nancy drew mystery sort of thing but i think later on that's not really speculative fiction at all but i think um more recently like the outlander the time shifting and and that sort of i love the period pieces and and she's just a great writer that sort of stuff um comes to mind i can't think of anything right
1: now but <laughs> um now the exp- i mean obviously it's adapted and you if you hadn't read the novels do you know how did you like speaking on the striking a balance between integrating stuff from the novels into the show versus like putting your own original stuff in there in the writer's room or any sort of like conversation was there ever any sort of like balance discussion as to like how you adapt something like that while keeping it fresh for people who had already read it.
2: That's interesting. You know, I obviously, I did end up reading the books after, you know, I started working on a show mm-hmm. or even before when I was ex- started getting really excited about it, started reading them. Um, and we're fortunate enough to have the authors of the books in the room with us. So they came on and I've always heard that that can be a good thing or a bad thing, <laughs> depending on how precious they are about the material, because when you adapt, there are things that need to be changed. There are characters that need to be, you know, combined uh, mm-hmm. just for storytelling purposes. I don't know if there was a real discussion about a balancing. I think it just kind of comes naturally in the way of st- telling the story and adapting it to screen of of the points that are extremely important for the plot and the emotional arcs, um, and where you. I think it just kind of comes naturally i guess there weren't really conversations no yeah
0: yeah so uh this is interesting because we tried to you know a lot of our concepts are really like hey here's an idea most likely it's a story uh which usually translates into a movie but we tried to write series uh we came up with a couple of hurdles because it's like do you you know you have to write multiple arcs at once now when in the writers were writing a series do you have like the entire like Series arc, or do you know? Now, I'm not talking about just the expanse in general, but I guess you have the most experience. But I don't know when to break it up, or do you have kind of cool ideas that you want to throw into it and then you kind of work it into the story?
2: Um, a little bit of both. Like, we start out, we'll put a big board, kind of like you have behind you, a big board of like the entire season, however many episodes that season is and have the main big story points and the main big character arc points and then so it's kind of like the building blocks or the bones of the season and then we'll go through episode by episode and kind of flesh it out knowing the direction you're going and that's when like the little the ideas or will come up or we'll throw everything against the wall to see what works and what doesn't work. And there's like no bad idea because that could spawn a a great idea, you know? So that's why I try to remember when I feel like an idiot saying something stupid in the room, it's like no bad ideas, right? Um, (laughs) But they get filled, you know, each episode then gets filled out, fleshed out. And then um, we go and write the outline and the um, story from there.
0: One of the things that I love about the expanse and Dylan keeps pushing me to watch it and I'm, I'm still getting through. I I watch, I I engage in a lot of content. Uh, But one of the things that I found so like uh, thrilling about the show is how much just like human interaction there is. And yeah, it is in space and you're going through a lot of sci-fi things, but there is still human uh, emotions at the center of it all. And when in a writing room, is there certain people that are more like geared towards making sure that, uh, conversation goes a certain way or is there is it kind of like a collaborative event or is people more like okay, you take care of science fiction, you take care of conversation, you you take care of the emotion like what what is the group uh, working like in, in an episode?
2: It's extremely collaborative. Um, but there are people with stronger, you know, suits in one aspect versus another. Like, I, I like to think mine is more the character work is is my stronger, where all the science stuff I was learning and it was really fun to learn, but, you know, riding a space battle is not my strongest suit. Um, I'll do the best I can and then someone else can come in and kind of help finesse it a bit. Um, I think the, I think yeah i like to work with the character arcs and the emotionality a little bit more um but so like i said it's very collaborative and people have their strengths or some people are just good at it all
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. um there are those
2: two uh which oh, i want to be that person but yeah yeah. Well, yeah
0: one of the questions i really wanted to ask you not to cut you off dylan no you're good <laughs> i wanted to get this uh before i forgot go it. for it but Okay. A, do you watch the show back? Do do you watch The the Expanse, knowing you work on it so much?
2: Um, Well, I've seen it all. I usually was very excited um, or very lucky to be able to be through the whole process. So I've seen each episode, you know, a handful of times going through the editing to the, to the sound mixes, to the visual, you know, the color correction, visual effects stuff. So, um, yeah. and learning a lot. So that's, I think why the expanse was one of the, my favorite things to work on because I have got to experience so much of it um, and learn so much. Um, so yeah, I've seen it. And then the final product, well, there was a lot of times we did tweets, live tweets uh, when it was airing and you kind of watched again as a group uh, and we all had a lot of fun doing that
0: yeah no. my question was sorry <laughs> no go for it <laughs> I, I didn't want to ask this question and then come back that she's never no, seen it and then it'd be fine. embarrassing so i wanted to preface that but was there a moment when watching it back that you were like oh that was my moment I thought of that uh that and that was like one of the very proud things it, was there a moment that you were like ah that was 100% me
2: oh yeah there's been you know a number it's it's very collaborative but but that's the that's the fun thing or the little things, the nuggets that you get in there. And, you know, that's all 100 percent your idea. I think my favorite was, you know, this show was my first produced piece of um, television um, on season two. And you know, seeing the little, the little bits of dialogue here and there, the ideas that I had that came up. I mean, it was just, it's a thrilling experience to see even see your name up there and to know that you had anything to do with it. Then that happens in other episodes that aren't ones that I actually have my name on, but you'll see in other episodes where it's like, that was, that was my idea or, you know, and it's fun. It really is.
0: That's so cool. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, (laughs) Cool. Uh, So I just have,
1: Talking about pacing just a little bit, going back to that conversation, something that my friends who watch the show and I have talked about is that like there's this interesting pacing thing where partway through the season you'll get what feels like a series like a season finale and then you have another half going on. Now that kind of meshes up with the books where right. season two, which I think is I think one of those episodes is the first one that you really have the writer credit full on on. Um, was there any sort of strange ways that you guys had to finesse? Fitting those book arcs into a single episode of TV, or because when it gets to Amazon, it feels like those midway finales aren't really present in the two Amazon seasons that have been released. Talk just on that for a little bit.
2: If I remember correctly, I think by the time we got to Amazon, we were at about a book a season. Okay. Um, where the first it's been it's been a while now, but the first ep- a season. I think we had started into the second book. I'm, I'm, I can't remember now. Um, but
1: I haven't read them yet, so yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I I feel like I remember we started into the second book on season one. Oh, time flies and I, mm-hmm. and I can't I can't even remember now. Um, but that's I think that's one of the great jobs of the showrunner and the higher ups and the people who really dictate kind of come in with, Where the story starts and ends for the season, and we, you know, kind of fall in line or you know work around what their vision is, the showrunner, whoever you know. This is Noreen for the Expanse, Um, but I think when you are ending a book, one book and going into another, it's naturally going to feel like uh, an ending of a story and a beginning of another. So there definitely is finessing in bringing trying to make it feel like one story. Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but
1: <laughs> I mean, kind of just in order to f- like get those arcs kind of going in a place that feels natural to the length of the season, I think is probably mm-hmm. statement enough to it, especially cuz the books for the expanse are so Pretty thick, which yeah. I think is a symptom of them. I think the writers used to be like personal assistants to George R. R. Martin, or at least one of them. <laughs> one of them did. yeah,
2: yeah, tie. yeah, yeah.
1: So, which is something because their output has dwarfed his in the past ten years. But
2: <laughs> they're they mad about writers. that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Did, oh, go ahead. Go, go, for it. I was going to say, I think it's it's interesting to to marry books together and try to make it feel seamless but also it's interesting bringing in like we there were characters that are in one book and not in the next book that become fan favorites so we have to develop entire storylines for them and bring them into the season because you don't want to lose these favorite characters like avasarala and bobby you know and even drummer yeah
1: well i imagine it's kind of difficult to pace those stories out especially when the characters are separated by such distances as they can be in outer space did you have yeah. any sort of weird time dilation where you had to be like we're gonna have to float a Vasarala a little bit <laughs> like it doesn't make sense that she got all this information as soon as she did or were there any kind of moments you had to kind of you know cheese it
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. We, we do our best to try and stay as close to, you know, time delays and show time delays. But, you know, there are times where you got to finesse it a little bit. And, um, you know, it is, you know, the one of the things of like no sound in space. It's like, well, yeah. you, it would be very boring to watch a no sound like it's just not going to, you know, they have the same feeling if there's no sound, even though I yeah. know technically you're not gonna hear it. Um so finessing those things are I think just part of storytelling.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that also one of the things that I've also kind of talked about with this is like some of the technology it feels very, very kind of reasonable that the technology's advanced this far, but a lot of things I've seen point out stuff certain things like automation or drones or such are such a lack in was there a conscious conversation about not including certain aspects of technology for the story's sake.
2: Well, I think I've heard from, um, you know, the, the book writers and our showrunner and everybody that, because this question has been asked before and it's, it's not that it's not there. It's right. just, it's commonplace. Like most people don't go around ra- walking around saying, this is my cell phone. It connects me to people across, you know, the world or anything like that. It's just, it's just there. Like we have drones flowing in the floating in the background or flying in the background or, or there's robots. They're just not talked about because they're just part of the world. Mm -hmm. So I like, I told you,
0: (laughs) I whatever Zach (laughs) Uh, you brought up, you brought up something interesting early. Uh, You, you said that uh, a lot of, well, not a lot, but sometimes uh, the fan comments will, kind of alter how the story goes. If a fans are certain, like behind a certain character, you kind of got to write them in. How much do the fans play into how the story does go?
2: Oh, um, I I imagine in some shows, maybe quite a bit. I I don't know. I mean, when I, I think a fan favorite character also becomes, you say, a studio favorite character or someone who kind of dictates more. Um, The storyline itself didn't, I mean, the fans influence it, but like small. Like if the character, no, don't kill them off. I don't think if it's con- you know conducive to the story, we're still going to kill them off. Um, so, I don't, I don't know. That's a good tough question. They influence it, but
0: yeah, because they're not for my new up. things. Yeah, there has to be like so, uh, like a weird rift between what people want to engage with versus what a creator wants to write. And when looking at movies like the Snyder Cut and even Sonic the Hedgehog, where fans can really push over studios and, and have certain things happen. I, yeah, I was always curious, like... Uh, w- you know, if, if there is a lot of like a lot of push from, from fans, if that can change a writer's point of view or like how the story could alter. That's always been kind of curious to me.
2: I'm sure it can. It can change um, a writer's point of view or a showrunner's point of view. Or if there is really an outpouring of, you know, love for a character or something like that, then, you know, it might influence like I said, bringing that character up or or making more of a story for them. Um, It wasn't super influenced on The Expanse because, I mean, there were books and so there's only so much you could do. But I think the love of Drummer really did and just how great she was um, brought up her character storyline quite a bit.
0: Now, within like the writing room and you're working on the expanse and you have uh, you're a very creative person, you probably have a lot of really interesting ideas, how do you know when to push certain ideas towards say the expanse or versus like other things that you need to work on later? how do you like do you have a method of how you separate all of your unique ideas?
2: I'm terrible at it <laughs> when yeah, I get into too. something and I'm like really like I put everything into it. So I was on this expanse for six years, you know, five seasons and it's about six years. And I really didn't write much for myself. Like it really work on many. I had some ideas and I, I would still do my morning pages every day and, and do a little writing and I'd have ideas that I would jot down, but I didn't really write any scripts other than the expanse. Cause I just became so like, that was my entire world. And so I'm working on being better about like, okay, this, I've got to switch my brain and work on this. And, you know, otherwise I'm not going to have a portfolio or anything else that I, you know, I want to get made. So.
1: Do you have, do you have like a daily or like weekly word goal or how do you kind of divide your writing project, your writing time between your projects?
2: I've heard word goals are great or like minute, like, page mm-hmm. goals or whatever, um, I'm not good at that either. I do I do write every morning in my morning pages, which is just brain drain, obviously, mm-hmm. to kind of get me going, um, which I find very useful because oftentimes I'll just, even in my brain drain, just start thinking of what I'm gonna be working on that day, which kind of gets me going. Um, there will be days where other than that, that I don't really write much, but I'm just processing and thinking and marinating on an idea. I'm like, I don't know what to write yet but it's there. I can feel it in the periphery of my brain. I just don't know what it is yet. Um, So I kind of will do other things around the house and let it stew a little bit and then usually get into writing. So um, I usually get through, once I get an idea and have like a brief outline, it doesn't take me too long. I'm pretty quick at getting a script out. It's pretty quick.
1: is there any way you might want to expand on just your process for actually putting an idea out? Cause we talk a lot about like, where do you get your ideas? And I've never found that question to be particularly helpful for people who ask it. Cause it's like, the answer is almost inevitably just like around the ideas. <laughs> I see something and it's an idea, but the yeah. challenging part is actually putting that idea from here onto the page. Do you have any particular kind of method that you go back to?
2: I lay in my bed and stare at the ceiling like this a lot and while I, it, it looks like I'm in a coffin or like I'm dead. My boyfriend laughs at me because he's like, he'll be going to sleep next to me. And I'll just be staring for a couple hours while I'm thinking through story ideas or pro- like whatever the new thing I might be working on at the time. And he's like, you look like you're dead. Just are so creepy staring at the ceiling. I'm like, it's my process. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I just do a lot of staring off thinking and research when I you know if there's something that I the idea warrants a lot of research I, I worked on something which was a based on a true story uh, of, that happened where I grew up so it took a lot of research so researching during the day staring up the ceiling at night writing down ideas that's kind of the process <laughs>
0: You have a lot of amazing credits on your IMDb page uh, from like writing to producing, executive credit to acting. What what would you say is like your favorite thing? What Of all the things you've done behind the scenes or in front of the scenes?
2: Oh, my favorite thing that I've done. Well, I'll probably stick with the writing side of things because acting was very fun. Like I had a lot of fun. I did mostly background work and like little one-liner things here or there, which was fun. And I met a lot of really great people and was also nerve wracking because like I said, I get kind of frozen in front of cameras. Um, But I'll just, I'm gonna come back to um, The Expanse again. Uh, I, Almost human was a really fun, I didn't get as much of experience. It was shorter lived. Like we had a lot of really late nights on that show but I kind of like enjoyed the process of like digging in there even though it was you know kind of a tougher show. Um, CSI was a great show that I cut my teeth on like learning a lot. That's really what got my foot in the into the door and where I met Noreen Shankar my mentor and the showrunner of The Expanse. We met 16 15 years ago on the CSI the original one. And so that really kind of opened my eyes to what could be from the writing side of things and editing side of things. So that was fun.
1: Do Do you have a dream project you'd like to work on outside of the expanse or anything you've done currently? Is there something either an established franchise or do you have like something that you've been kind of like plugging away at for your, you know, grand-
2: oh, for my, oh my, Oh, for like my own project or something that's already been, out there
1: either or if there's a project you've been working on you got an idea you really want to do or if there's an established thing you'd be really interested in working on
2: oh well i would love my favorite one of my favorite shows from the last couple years is the haunting of hill house and i love just the kind of genre horror but very character driven and in like deep character work um, and I I gravitate towards shows like that with deep character work, but like in a fun whether it's scary, whether it's fantasy, what some some sort of fun space which I'm working on right now, um, something that I'm just researching that's just like a character drama, but it's in you know I don't know if I want to say what it is yet, but <laughs> it's in a it's a different world sort sure. of sort of thing. Um, So that sort of stuff. I like stuff with with um, a psychological real psychological thriller bent to it, Uh, um, which there's actually quite a few things out right now that are like that.
1: Yeah, have you found your preferred genre to work in has kind of shifted since you've done a lot of science fiction television, almost human uh, Mm grim, which is fantasy, but, you know, like whatever um have you found that your writing genre has kind of shifted into that era or area rather
2: um yeah well I think it's o- always kind of been I think more the hard hardcore science fiction which is the expanse mm-hmm. um, it's definitely shifted more I have my my brain kind of works in that way a little bit more than I think it probably I'm surprised to say that would have ever before um but I still do think that I Gravitate towards more of the fantasy probably side of things too, um, genre fantasy. Um, although it's been really fun learning so much about real space,
0: <laughs> and how quiet it is. Uh, <laughs> Dylan, <laughs> Dylan mentioned Grim earlier. I I love the show Grim. I thought it was really cool. Uh, what what got you involved with that show? Was it something that you you loved that show and kind of reached out to them, or did like was it with your last people or
2: Um, It was with Noreen again. So Noreen went on as one of the producers. um, I can't remember if he was a co-showrunner on it. Um, And so I came over there with him and I was his assistant there and did all the, you know, like a bunch of notes and work, you know, was working my way through. I actually, when I was at Grimm working days uh, at Radford Studios, um, I was going to school at night for psychology because I was having my little roundabout existential crisis of, I have all these opportunities to write, but what if I fail? And it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. I'm just going to leave before I fail. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to be a psychologist. I always love psychology. So why not? And so I went back to school and started doing that. And I was like, I'm, you know, leaving, but I'm still have my day job. And of course, while I was working towards my master's, I kept writing and I found that like confidence again of like no this is the only thing I really want to do and I've got to put everything towards it I've, I've already failed if I don't try to, to do this so um, I graduated and then that was actually um, we were at almost human we went from grim to almost human and then we got the expanse right after that. And that's when I graduated and I was like, I'm ready to come in as writer's assistant. I want to write and get a script and move up. And that's kind of what happened after that. So, and the psychology has been great for writing characters. You can't, you can't go wrong with that. So.
0: Now, when, when, uh, as a writer on the expanse, do you get to kind of plop around on set and stuff or do you, are you just kind of like just stuck back in the writer's room?
2: No, I, I got to go up to Toronto for, you know, a couple months on end and and was really lucky to be able to be on set, uh, on set writer for my episodes. We shot, shot in blocks, so we'd shoot two episodes at once. So I'd be up there for the block of episodes. And, um, I mean, learning a ton and being able to work with the directors and the actors and the whole process. So it was really um, a great experience. And I love Toronto, it's such a great city. That's
0: where we filmed still the that. Expanse, so. Yeah. Yeah, a lot did, of people are still now. Yeah.
1: Um, did your, did any of your environment or writing room or like processes change when Amazon acquired the show? Just out of curiosity, because it was originally on Sci-Fi Channel for three mm-hmm. seasons, got canceled. And then the Save the Expanse campaign managed to get the attention of, I think Bezos probably. Mm-hmm. He's he's notorious for loving the book series.
2: Yeah.
1: Um so I'm just curious if like that acquisition changed anything behind the scenes.
2: If not so much. That. Yeah, not so much in the writers room itself. Um we had a pretty established team. Um but it did it did change in the sense where it felt like um we just had much more I don't know if it's also because of the campaign, but more support behind just, I don't know. And that could be also an influence from the campaign, the, Mm -hmm. the, um, from the fans. Um, But they were very, we had already kind of established the show and it was working and we had this fan base. And so they were really good about giving great notes, but letting us kind of stay on the course that we were going. And um, they were, or they have been great partners. Yeah. I mean, sci-fi was great too. It just, you know, it was, we had the people who were our point people at sci-fi were great advocates of the show and love the show. It's just, it was a different, different space.
1: Did, did you find that you had any sort of expanded freedom as far as like content or language or oh, anything yeah. like that moving, moving from a, you know, cable, a, na- a cable network onto a streaming service, which is obviously not beholden to various, um, you know <laughs> ratings concerns, mm-hmm. and obviously it changes because of Vassarala in the book is foul mouthed beyond all compare, and you can s- see that start to appear in season four. Was there any other kind of like freedoms you guys kind of enjoyed as far as writing content went?
2: Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that yes the so so definitely the um the no Fs given sort of stuff of Vassarala was um was a fun thing to be able uh, to to bring from the books that we couldn't Mm -hmm. do on sci-fi um you know we're not really a sex-driven show so we didn't really we you know that wasn't really something that was a huge thing to show but i think there was just in terms of language and maybe a few (laughs) butts.
1: amos gets his starting in season
0: four yeah yeah Uh, when, when walking around the set while working on The Expanse, did, did it ever like kind of come back to like, maybe I do want to be an actor or did you ever try out for that show since you were so comfortable on that set? No,
2: (laughs) no, (laughs) no. I, the, I gave up the acting a long time ago. I have no, I, I, it's one of those things where I feel like I tried it out. I realized it wasn't for me and I feel good that I, I know for sure. Like, it's not a question of you know, what if, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, when I was looking over your IMDb page uh, yesterday, just uh, doing a little bit of research, my partner looked over my shoulder and she saw your face and she's like, oh, uh, that is in How I Met Your Mother. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're right. That's cool. Yeah, right on. That's great. She recognized uh, you from
2: that tiny little part.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. she That's loved funny. That show, which is, yeah, that's, really, really funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. cool. Uh, Dylan, do you have any more questions for Miss Howie Lambert? uh I'm sure, I'm sure you do i, I you mean do. <laughs> i don't know dylan's <laughs> yeah, the writer uh of I, our group i'm more is, of like the weird thinker and the talker um when know, to the, oh sorry god
1: no it, it's just like this is kind of like a personal question i'm curious about like is there any sort of backstory or background information is there like a production bible you guys have or anything that's never going to see the light of day that you write just so you know kind of where a character might come from in a certain situation. Cause I'm a, definitely. i I'm a big advocate whenever Zach and I write, I'm like, we need to get, we should give every character like a deep dark secret that never comes up in the show. So that way they can kind of come from a place of inner oh. turmoil.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I know there are, for most shows I think have like show Bibles and, and um character arcs written out Now I don't know about deep dark secrets but I agree with you like it's personally when I'm ro- just working on my own projects or developing something I often create a much deeper character or thought out character than will ever probably end up showing up on page because I have to have an idea of where the character's coming from where where their lived experiences will have brought them and will take them in the future and how they would react so You know, some people I don't might be fine without writing all that stuff, but I'm with you on that. I definitely need to have a well thought out character and world too, just to, you know, if you're making up the world, if it's a fantasy world or if it's space or wherever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, one of the things that Dylan and I really focus a lot of our attention and writing on is, like, inclusivity and making sure that people sound real and are from the right point of view, which is why we try to engage Mm -hmm. with as many uh, uh, non-white dudes as we can, just to get more perspectives. How important was it on The Expanse with such, you know, a, a range of actors on there that the writing be, like, as important to, like, their dynamic as possible?
2: Um... You mean as far as like the, uh, like uh, with the voices of, I'm not quite sure I I understand the question.
0: Yeah, like if if there are people from color and I didn't know if that was important Mm. because it is in the future and it is in space. So I don't know if like earth problems even come to like even the light of day. What was, did that ever come up? Like, do we have to go back to old school race race relations or is it about the future storytelling?
2: Ah, I see. Okay, so... Well, I mean, the expanse is in the future, so we always bring our problems with us wherever we go, and no matter how far in the future, I think we can't ever run from them. Um, But but the interesting thing about the expanse itself was it does have, speak of race relations and prejudices, um, but in the terms of belters versus earthers versus Martians, so we're not talking about skin color, or you know, your ethnic background, or your or your um, your sexual orientation, or whatever. It's 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 brought into a different light because in the future we hope that we're all evolved enough to not be seeing that. But it's but we still bring our prejudices with us with between the Earthers Marshes. So it's just talked about in a different way. And it's just kind of moved over, which is the one things that I like about writing is, is it words create worlds where we can, you know, delve into anxieties and fears and hopes that are hard, you know, hard to articulate oftentimes in real forms. Um, So it's a good place to do that.
0: Well, Ms. Lambert, I thank you so much. Uh, the, The Expanse is a beautiful show. And coming from my best friend Dylan, who is a writer, and he tells me weekly to hop into this show, I mm-hmm. think you've done a phenomenal job, and hats off to you and your crew. Oh. It's, it's such, I, a, such an interesting show. I have one more question.
1: Mm-hmm. It's an yeah. important one. Who determined the practicality of wearing high pompadours and mohawks and space helmets? Because everybody on the show has, a really, has really tall hair and they all wear space helmets. And I'm just like, come on. Also, how much weight is allocated to hair product on these ships? <laughs> very stylish.
2: Well, it's That's funny. I have to talk to the the hair, <laughs> hair people and, and, you know, Noreen about that. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I know, you know, we tried to have hair, which we don't have to, you know, either pulled back or going to do to where it's not going to have to be floating everywhere. Cause that's a lot, that's okay. very expensive yeah. to do the floating hair and, and <laughs> in space. So, Good question, though.
1: But <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Aquaman, a lot of Aquaman's budget went to the underwater hair hair effects. We had the opening
2: scene, like the first yes. opening scene in The Expanse is with yeah. her hair floating. And that was like the one, OK, we're showing it off. That's the now only let's one. Try to, let's try to put the hair tight.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, it's a fashionable yeah. show. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> hey, good question, Dylan. Right on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the important stuff. <laughs> Okay, Miss Hallie Lambert, so what we do now is uh, we get into our content creation part. Uh, we used to just sit down in my living room and just blast out idea after idea. Problem is that we kept fighting over whose idea was cooler, which is why we decided to ask our guest to pick one for us so we uh, don't have our inner fighting anymore because that was just uh, too much for both of us. Uh, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to pitch you some ideas. Please let us know which one you think we should work on, whether you think it's cooler or more interesting or if you... Uh, don't want to upset Dylan by picking his, which is fine. Uh, but Dylan, I think that mine won last week, so you get to yeah. go first this week.
1: All right. Um, so I'm going to bring back one I've been talking about a little bit. Um, set in the future, imagine that we discover that when you're alive, you have like a, like a pearl or some, something similar, like a, like a calcified a little deposit in your brain that is kind of like serotonin and dopamine, and uh, it contains memories, and you can kind of extract it if they're alive and use it as like a drug or something similar. And these people start showing up and they're kind of like on auto autopilot. They have no memory or identity. And it turns out these people are harvesting this as like a like a black market luxury good. And we follow a guy as you kind of investigate what's going on with that. I don't know what to call I think we're calling it brain pearl right now. But I think I
0: kind of I, I, hunting... I, I, I... No, go I it. labeled it pearls of wisdom yeah sure
1: um (laughs) no like some sort of back alley like you know alley surgeon is extracting this from people somehow and it's keeping them alive but only kind of
0: and we hunt we follow the guys he's
1: hunting them down that sort of thing
0: wait so if they take the pearl they lose their memory also oh i didn't know that
1: yeah i think Uh, that's that's something new i had this week just to make it more than just like yeah people got pearls in their brains and if you take it out it's bad
2: and it's no. black market to put the pearl in somebody else's brain, so then they get the memories of that person. Is that what you're saying? Or you,
1: you definitely could. Uh, um, it's it becomes like a black market product. It would be like selling organs on like the private market.
2: So Ooh. people want other people's memories.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> so the
0: idea that I'm working on is I had this idea that uh, that aliens come here for whatever reason. Uh, I'm not really sure yet. And they look at us and they see that we are the predatory race. And they decide to force evolution on one other creature to kind of give us a run for our money. Uh, I think that they use this term called uplifting. Uh, Is is that right, Dylan? Uplift? That's what I've heard it referred to as. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be uh, they come down and force an evolution on a different species. I'm not really sure which one. Probably some kind of cephalopod um but make it so that we are no longer the dominant species on this planet mostly i guess for their entertainment or amusement i guess that's kind of where i'm <laughs> <laughs> all at. right <laughs> kind uh, what of like, think about that? like planet
1: of the apes but instead of them being like science experiments aliens come down and cause it yeah but it's not apes it's something cool no not apes
0: no something weird
1: we've got enough bipedal apes on this planet yeah. we need something else smarter uh, yeah, alligators
2: so gonna,
0: no. ooh, Alligators, cool, I like that I don't
2: know uh, why I just
0: thought of alligators <laughs> no, Oh fine. god, intelligence
1: it, alligators would be terrifying
0: <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna call it Gator Uplift for right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll, fi- we'll figure out <laughs> where it's gonna go from now uh, Okay, so, uh, Miss High Lambert Very talented, very uh, amazing High Lambert Please, uh, decide which one of these two weird projects we get to work on for the next couple minutes
2: Um, Why don't we go with, as much as I'm enjoying the idea of crazy gators, why don't we go with pearls of wisdom?
0: I love it. All right. right. Excellent.
2: I'm curious to know more about these pearls.
0: Oh, me too. Me too. All right, cool. So we're going to spend the next couple minutes trying to figure out whatever project this is going to be. Real fast, I just want to thank some people that make this show possible. IBM TV, thank you very much for allowing us to come on here and chat and keep my whiteboard very filthy, which saves... Uh, nothing but time. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate this. And so does Dylan. I know that we get to meet some amazing people like how Lambert, which we could have never met unless we had a show. Cause why would she talk to us for, for no reason? Uh, that's just weird. Uh, anyway, uh, Scott Curtis behind the bits. We have some other great people on East coast, Sarah Tkachik, Tonya Shek uh, and listener app. One of the coolest, weirdest podcast apps. Uh, they like to make it so that you can read the words instead of listening to them. So you can save the jokes uh, apparently, I slur or mumble a lot when I talk, and they thought this would be good for our fans, which is very weird. But either way, th- <laughs> thank you very much, and uh, Mick Manhattan over at Scene Snobs, great, great uh, uh, stuff going on over there. Uh, I- I'm just interested in his brain pearl, Dylan. I, I don't know yeah. how. To- <laughs> I'm really curious what this is going to turn into. Um, so okay,
1: yeah. So you neither. Saying- I don't know what it is. <laughs> no, <laughs> anyway. it's okay.
0: So you're seeing like a a, a futuristic noir style thing where uh, people are taking this pearl out of people's heads, I guess, safely or not so safely. I'm not really sure. And now what do other people want with memories or is it is it the emotion from it or the knowledge from it? So
1: with the idea that we're still kind of discovering stuff about the human body and you know i work in a grocery store which is kind of specialty so i get a lot of my co-workers talking about like the gut biome and that sort of thing which is still a pretty new kind of theory for human the human body i was thinking like what if there was like a place in the brain where we calc- where, like calcified and stored either like concentrated memory or Uh, serotonin, whatever else. And the reason we haven't found it is like maybe when you die, it dissolves or something like that, or it's really sensitive, so you can't really go in and remove it. And then someone, some, you know, amoral, I don't know, we do a lot of big pharma stuff, so some amoral doctor or something discovers a way to do that, to extract it, but it causes some sort of like really messy um. Secondary effects on people, some really bad side effects, and you know, at at that point, society probably outlaws using it recreationally because if it's coming from people, you don't want to incentivize that. And so, this would be the story of like maybe people in a town are starting to show up, but they're like showing signs of like lobotomy or something like that. You know, we do kind of be a little dark,
0: but yeah. Turns out, oh, but every one of them I has tried- like
1: a scar in the back of their head or
0: something like that where it was extracted. Right, but my question is, why do other oh. people want this thing? Oh, <laughs> um, are they are they doing it like a drug? Do they get what what do they what do they get out of this? What what is the what is the the desire for the per- the pearl?
1: Let's I mean, let's say like a the novelty of it. Just like yeah, I've got a human brain pearl in my possession that hasn't been dissolved, and they have it on you know, rich person has it on display or something like that, or let's say you like either dissolve it in a drink and you can drink it and you experience someone's memories. So there's like a secondary market for memory experience,
0: something along those lines. Uh, Ms. Lambert, do you think it's interesting to have this thing being taken as, um, an emotional drug, a knowledge-based system or a trophy?
2: I think more of a knowledge or emotional sort of, uh, that people get something out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, can't, it,
0: I like the idea of oh, it. Sorry, go ahead. It
2: I I would imagine if once you take it out, that you can't form any new memories then, right? So the person is kind of bottomized and because the memory basically the memory card is gone.
1: Either that or they need to like accrete a new one, like it starts building up, like it's got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. So it just starts building a new one. But oh yeah, effectively it kind of like Excises the personality and humanity from these people. There's yeah.
2: the it's it's interesting. It kind of in a roundabout way is reminding me a little bit of Dollhouse. Did you guys ever watch Dollhouse?
1: Mm-hmm. That's the um, Joss, Joss Whedon. Whedon yeah. yeah,
2: it was um, people their memories and their personal, Everything was taken out, and then other people's memories could be put in, and then they could go and kick ass or whatever. But anyway kind oh, of reminiscent cool. a little bit of, of yeah. that little
0: house. I like, I like the idea of it being knowledge or emotion based where say you take like, a, like a, an inventor's thing mm-hmm. and you have like their uh, inventor knowledge. But I also like the idea of the emotional attachment to it like where if you could uh, uh, somehow extract like just straight happiness uh, from a very like maybe a, a very wealthy person that has affluence and be like, oh, I wonder what affluence uh, tastes like or whatever. Um, so Dylan, why don't you go ahead and pick one of these and we'll just start kind of uh, churning out how this story is going to go.
1: I mean, depending on how it's processed, I don't see why it couldn't be any of them. Maybe if it's raw, oh. maybe if you just have it just untreated, it's just this unfiltered kind of mess of a person coming through your like mind, but you can treat it in certain, whatever sci-fi technique you have to like you isolate the emotional chemicals from it or you isolate the built up experience and so that way you get the knowledge of it or something like that
0: yeah i like all that um okay so when uh okay so miss lambert oh go ahead dylan i think she had something oh
2: oh i was just gonna say or if there were like See, someone brought up or like a rich person like that experience but then they probably also have maybe <laughs> like came in or like numbers for their bank accounts or yeah. things that they could you know you could a heist in there somewhere too hmm. i don't know
0: i like that heist knows
2: or secret information that only that person knows it could be you know there's a whole host of things that could be but I know that's little. That's kind of going in the other direction. But
1: uh, it's well, an idea. Really. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that idea of like a
0: knowledge heist and use it on a later episode. I do like I do like knowledge heist. I think it's cool. <laughs> um, okay, so Miss Lambert, when you're writing a story, uh, how important is it to build a window character into this?
2: Um, a window character, like I don't know that term. Well,
0: a lot of times when Dylan and I, kind of, a lot of times Dylan and I, when we write universes or worlds, it is kind of a different world. So you would need some rule structuring, or you would need to mm-hmm. let people know like, Hey, how does this world work? And that's right. when they usually have the window character, this brand new to uh, the world for whatever reason, that way you can explain a lot of stuff to that person and not seem right. weird. Um, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that that's important? Or do you think that's dumbing down to the audience?
2: I think it totally. It would depend. It depend on a number of things, but I I'm of the mind that I don't like to dumb down for the audience. That they can kind of figure it out as they go along. That that the audience I like to think they're smart. People are a lot smarter than I think. A lot of shows. Make them out to be, yeah, and I you know, I, part of the things that I like when I watch a television show is like I might not totally be 100 percent up, up to speed, but I'm like, I'm figuring it out and I like that process of figuring it out. So I understand the need for them in some instances for little things here and there, but I don't think they're always necessary.
0: No, I agree. Uh, Dylan, what character do you kind of want to follow throughout this entire thing? Are we following the doctor? Are we following the person who steals it? Or are we following somebody who's about to lose their pearl?
1: My my first instinct is to go with the guy who's like hunting down the criminals do it as like um, and I'm pulling a little bit from the expanse but like a privatized like either a privatized security guy who serves as like a cop in the setting because if we're setting it in like the near future, you've got the privatization of police forces and that sort of thing you could touch on. Or I kind of like the idea that I kind of like the idea that they like pull on a doctor or a surgeon as a consultant or like a neurologist and they pull them into this case as like uh we need someone who knows how the human brain works because someone is going in and taking this from people. And then of course you have the point of view character of the bad guy. You do the law and order criminal intent thing where you show the bad guy's point of view.
0: Okay, so we're probably got to start this with having somebody lose uh, this brain pearl that, that's a big deal, right? And that's how we learn about all this. Who is the person that is going to uh, lose this thing that, that sparks this specific story? Are they like, um, I like them having like Cayman Island information. I like them having, uh, maybe the heist. I, I, I like the heist idea. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, go ahead. They are the wealthy socialite heir
1: to like a banking fortune who recently like took over a CEO but is still partying really hard so that way they have okay. an excuse to be like out at night and get ambushed or something and they have right. they have all the contacts for their mega corporation business whatever they do you know I, I I'm I'm seeing this as really like a cyberpunk style thing constant rain yeah. lots of neon pretty grungy that sort of thing.
0: You love the rain. I, I the really video. do.
1: <laughs> we're, we're not living in a cyberpunk uh, heavy pop culture era right now, and I want to change that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah. uh, Okay. so we have we have this person who's the heir to a lot of money, and they lose their. And it's when we meet, I'm assuming, this privatized police force or whatever this uh, detective guy uh, body is. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And then what, what, where are we going to go from, from the beginning? So we have, uh, once we get the, 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 the group coming in, we learn about the Pearl being missing, which is where we're going to get a lot of weird exposition about world does what somebody would want to for, you know, you get that weird, just info dump. Um, what, what story are we going with here? Where are we going from uh, the police point of view?
1: Well, I was, I just had a thought while you were saying that. What if it's the head of the private security company that runs this guy's security who pulls him in? And it's like, we got to get this figured out before the board meeting because if they learn that the CEO's kid is now adrift, they're going to have to like re, they're going to have to go salt, you know, dissolve and reform or something like that. So I'm seeing it, I mean, kind of pretty straightforward, kind of like crime investigation story. Um, Okay.
0: Uh, Miss Lambert so when you're you said you earlier you said you were a fan of like Nancy Drew and the and the the mystery type uh, novels when when you're writing a story that is a contained story you have one thing it's not a series your normal process of writing is is it that you kind of know where you're getting to or do you kind of just start throwing things at it and start filling it in or do you have like the bookends is that more important to you and then
2: getting from A to B Finding the bookends and kind of, I think it's, I think knowing where you're going, where you want to end up is very important. Um,
0: yeah.
2: I kind of find my way there though as I go through. I have, I'm, some people are really big outliners and have pages and pages of outline specific detailed notes. I'm more of a very bullet point brief outliner who kind of, like knows the the points I want to hit and then kind of find my way there as I'm writing.
0: Yeah. So when, when inspiration does hit you, does it come in like a, uh, are you more of like a character person that you want to tell this character's story? Or do you have like this really weird uh, scenario that you kind of got to flesh it out with characters?
2: I'm a scenario like plot person, which is kind of funny because I love writing characters so much. And, and I find that within, but usually I come up with like the plot or the story idea first, and then figure out who the characters are within that world. Nice. It's kind of hard. I'm working on something right now where I'm, it's all, it's like an ensemble character piece. And it's so strange because I'm like working on developing the characters first. And I'm like, well, wait, what is the plot? What is the story? I don't know what that <laughs> is yet. It's very strange yeah. backwards. All
0: right, Dylan. So we know that there's a person who is very high profile that now lost their pearl. We know that there is a privatized police force that is uh, on the search for this pearl. Where are we going to get to towards the end? Like uh, this person's most likely not going to get this thing. Can you get the pearl put back inside you? I probably not right.
1: Probably not. I think the, I think the guy's probably hired just to keep it from being used or falling into the wrong hands. Um, which is already in the wrong hands so they're probably trying they probably have a time limit. they're like it's either gonna get used really quick or we know that it degrades within like 48, 72 hours so two to three days you know we give them a t- we give them a real ticking clock on on recovering this thing before it is either used or completely dissolves um I'm seeing this as kind of bleak where it's like, they probably prevent the information from getting into someone's hands. But along the way, it's like what, I mean, it was just another, you know, we, we went through all this stress and for what now he's, you know, there's another guy in charge of this. The bad guys didn't really get caught. Cause I mean, you know, the cyberpunk genre is kind of, um, characterized by the, you, you know, you can do your absolute best and yet, all you might do is just get to the next day. So I think we try and kind of make this into like um, almost like a Chinatown style sort of thing where it's like, you know, at the end it's like, well, he's the guy who did it. it's like, he didn't get the pearl, man. That's why you were hired. Let it go. Like we're not, we, we never hired you to arrest the guy. We hired you to stop him from using it.
0: So you think it should end with like a the the pearl dissolves? Nobody gets the information. Uh, stuff's still bad, but not as bad as it should be. Potentially. what do you what yeah, are you thinking? I'm okay with that? <laughs> Hallie, I mean, that, that sounds that sounds. Oh yeah.
2: No, that, that, that works. Yeah. I mean, that poor, the poor guy, I want to see some of him too, of like what okay. happens when you lose this pearls. Like, is it, I'm blanking on the character's name um, from twin peaks. This the most recent read. Did you guys see that at all? I can't remember his name, the lead who is like a um, zombie fight and his yeah. goes back home. And I'm totally blanking on the name, but he kind of reminds me of like that kind of a like guy, what, what the guy would be like after losing your memory or not really knowing who you are
0: yeah and i would assume since he's not going to end the story good that he can't be a good person right he's a bad yeah. dude i i think he's more aloof than anything else like okay it, it hap- like
1: i mean you know you have the amoral megacorporation as kind of like a staple of cyberpunk but this kid is like never expected to be the leader of this world spanning organization at like, maybe he's like 22, like make him really young. So he's still interested now, in
0: parenting. Is this something you think maybe his family would have done to him because he has knowledge he shouldn't have? Like, is that where we're going to go? Like if the dad is in charge of the thing and it's like, oh, my son knows too much stuff. Uh, I would rather have this business take over. Is that could- weird?
1: It could be like an uncle who's like, listen, Devin was never the best choice to run this. Yeah. Like, so, and, you know, it's, it's like in the face of this massive bureaucracy, like the individuality is not necessarily the most important thing. And then you've got that. This is coming across as really bleak, isn't it? It's really um, dark, man.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty dark. I've I've, I've, to I've had out a,
1: like... I've had an
0: interesting uh, work related week. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Miss Lambert, when you're getting down to a story where you're like, ah, this is getting kind of bleak. Uh, what are some things that you can do to kind of uh, brighten the story up a little bit, or say that you were working on something like this? <laughs> what 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 are, what were some things that you would uh,
1: kind of pop into this? It's been a while since we did something quite so dark. Oh, I will say. no,
0: that. I, I, I'm in. I'm just still trying to wrap my head around the yes, story. there needs there I needs is. to be a silver lining.
2: Find yeah. find some nugget of hope somehow. I, in this particular story, I don't have anything on the top of my head right now, unless like you were saying, yeah. it could start growing back or something. But I kind of like not growing back. I kind of like you know. So yeah, find some sort of maybe in this guy's lost memories, he's, even though he doesn't have memories, so I don't know how it would work. He finds who he is, or he finds out it, he grows up, or I, <laughs> I yeah, don't know. I,
0: no, I, I, I totally understand what you're doing uh, because he either needs to be a bad person that ends up bad or a fine person that ends up better. So, that, I think or a lost person
2: that ends up somewhere, like a lost yeah. person. He sounds like he's like a partier, lost, kind of doesn't really have any ambitions or goals, and just kind of an early 20-year-old who doesn't, you know, have their space. And by the end, their arc is like they found found what they're meant to do or what they, you know, some sort of direction.
0: Yeah. But do we do we like that this thing does not regrow? Because if so, then is he just always a zombie for the rest of
2: his life? Oh, there's another thing. What? Oh, but then that would just make him bad. I was going to say he could get someone else's memories because you can put memory. Did we decide that you can put a memory in your? That's how you get the memories out, right? You put it in, plant it in to There, might, to there head. might
1: be something you could. Yeah, sure. We haven't established that yet. Um, Although then you're taking
2: memories away from the other person. So
0: yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. So okay, he needs to be. I think that it it makes sense that he's uh maybe at first he's a partier and you think that it's not that big of a deal but he's actually like maybe a bad dude i think that he needs to be a bad guy uh and then he learns a lesson and becomes better at the end but i think that it needs to be him losing this pearl is better for him somehow but we learn some bad stuff about him so that he uh advances right because if he's like this really super wealthy mid-20s person he's probably done some pretty bad stuff (sighs)
2: Or he knows some okay. really bad things that he's not reporting. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Dylan. Yeah. We got to push the story along here, pal. Yeah. <laughs> so no, we, have a guy um, which, we have a guy that has knowledge and now no brain. And we have an ending that is very bleak so far. What are we getting to?
1: I mean, we could definitely have it be the act of someone around him. And that person ultimately gets arrested for like whatever the charge is. Or, like, you know, somehow somehow the villain who coordinated this comes out in a worse position.
0: Yeah. Um, that's what I was thinking. If, the, if that, it's, like, if it's an older family member or somebody yeah. in his, you know, the, then it's like, okay, well, that's the bad guy. That's cool. I understand that. I can get Which, to that. Which,
1: in that case, doesn't make it so that it's quite... If we paint the kid as a victim, then it's not mm-hmm. quite so bleak. It's I mean, it's mm-hmm. bleak, obviously, but it's not, like... If nobody gets, if someone doesn't get away with it, then there's at least that catharsis behind, like, well, bad stuff happened, but at least like we got it, kind of yeah. like
0: paid back. I wonder. I, I what? Okay, so if this happens in this world, if there's a lot of people that can have their uh, brain pearl taken, there there probably is a lot of people that are just wandering around like zombies, right? <laughs>
1: I imagine it would probably be like a care home. What if there, what if there is like some sort of neural therapy that's been developed for people who have had this, like this is a crime that happens. So there's some sort of like neurotherapy that's been developed that can simulate it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you're going to have some blank spots in your memory, but for the most part, you can operate at a standard, like day-to-day capacity while you yes. come in for your regular appointments and he's cool.
2: rich. So we so like, can
0: afford it. Yeah. So it's like an external memory. It's like dialysis almost, but for your brain. Oh, it can that's
2: form new memories.
0: You can I start to form new memories, right?
1: Well, I like the I, I if it's taken out, I imagine that the whatever process builds it up is probably still active. So I think it would probably just start to a, create a new one. It's just maybe you have memento disease until like it, you get a large enough one and like yeah. you, have to, you have to stop people from hiding all your pens.
0: I like, I like memory dialysis. That's kind of interesting where like you would contact their family and be like, just give me everything you know about this person. We need to start flooding his memories back. Um, okay. So what, what do you think is in this memory pearl that the person who took it once? Is it, is it something specific or just a wide ray of, uh, of information?
1: I think it's all, I think it's, I mean, I think they're, they have to comb through it, but there's plenty of like sensitive corporate secrets in there. Like maybe he had just gotten briefed on like, um, what he what the company was doing and that sort of thing. So that's why he was targeted now.
0: Okay. I'm into that. And now the person that's doing this, is this a deranged doctor? Is this a, I don't, I wrote up here, a moral <laughs> doctor. Um, is this like a gang that's doing this or is this just like, um, a white collar crime? Uh,
1: I mean, I'm a big fan of like back alley surgeons in this sort of sit, like, you know, a, a criminal gang has like a guy who got kicked out of medical school for being a little too, uh, lax or a little too, you
0: know, sure. amoral, who that pay- sort of thing. Who pay... Who paid this back alley uh, pearl doctor to do this? How, how did they get How did they get Devin as the target? I mean,
1: I like the idea that it's like a family member who doesn't think that he should be in
0: charge. Okay. I
2: like that um, uncle idea you had.
0: Cool. I like that too. So an uncle who should be in charge uh, but isn't. And if Devin is no longer in the picture, then the uncle becomes in charge, right? Yeah, and he's got the information. He pays that uh, back alley doctor guy uh, to do this and make it look like it's just a normal uh, run-of-the-mill drug pearl st- uh, stealing situation. And uh, what? who also, uh, what, what do we know about this privatized uh, 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 detective group, police company? Uh, they're either on
1: retainer for the corporation to deal with the private security matters or they're like... The whatever ta- whatever city this is set in, it's their contracted like police force or something like that, and of course they're um kind of not owned by but very much paid off by the um kind of uh, corporate whoever. I, I sorry, I'm looking up something because I'm looking up something right now because there was a law. In Nevada, passed in February or primed in February, which would allow technology companies to form their separate local governments, like they would effectively operate as a technology county. It would be a county run by whatever uh, company established that zoning. Oh wow!
2: So that's kind of what I was
1: inspired by on this.
0: Okay. Yeah. So this company now probably uh, is paying a privatized organization to find out what happened to this thing because it is a uh, high profile, high security. And it turns out that it's the uncle in charge. Um, what are some, what are some beats that we're going to get through in this thing? Let's see. So I'm
1: seeing, I think we open up with <clears throat> everything kind of like we either see the kid get snatched after he's partying or somehow, you know, you have him and his, Paramore, whoever that is, kind of walking down the street outside a club or something, and he gets picked up and vanishes and then shows back up, but he's drifting. You know, he's listless. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the security guy or the uh, neurologist, whoever the main character is, we see them in their kind of standard world, and then they're interrupted by either like a memo on whatever phones look like in this future or. Um, someone comes and gets them and it's like, Hey, uh, Megacorp number one needs you in their office. Or like the boss is calling, you like you need to come in, you need to come into the precinct to talk about this. it's like, all right, what? It's like, someone, someone lifted Devin. He goes, Devin. Yeah. Someone lifted the new CEO or CFO or whatever position he's filling in. And it's like, what do you mean lifted? lift it? It's like, well, I mean, if you're a neurologist, and uh, he uses some sci-fi jargon or something to describe it, and it's like, oh, and we see the horror that people react to that with. And then start hunting down leads, whatever those may be.
0: Uh, Miss Lambert, when writing a story, uh, one of the things that Dylan and I kind of go over and discuss is uh, certain structural uh you know, bits that you go through, whether it's a three arc structure or a two arc structure, do you have like a go-to or do you just kind of let this, like, do you always try to make sure that you have a a three arc structure? Is that a smart thing to work on?
2: I think when you're starting out and you are learning storytelling and, and writing, I think it's a good thing to keep in mind. But personally, I just kind of I think I've watched enough and read enough and and read enough store like scripts and just kind of I go by the feel and it and it usually or just my gut and it usually ends up with uh well I write TV I haven't I, don't, I haven't written a movie since I was in my 20s um, but it usually has a five five acts you know about structure five six depending um, it kind of flows that way naturally um,
0: And is that per episode? You would try to hit like a five uh, arc structure per episode, or is that for the full season?
2: No, that's per episode. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. And most of. (coughs) Oh, go ahead. Usually it's like five and a teaser, or six, or depends on the show, really. But, and nowadays with so much streaming. You don't have the commercial breaks. So a lot of it's not even, it's just kind of flows together and they're not even like really structured acts at all.
1: Yeah. I think it's Star Trek. That's really notorious for doing like a four act structure over Mm -hmm. each of their episodes. Like you can really go in and kind of point out where each bit goes. Cause like you said, with uh, back on TV, it was easier with commercial breaks.
2: Yes. It's very structured that way you have to have your out and your in and very specific. Yeah, some summer four, do it just, you, I mean, it depends on the show.
0: Do yeah. you watch a lot of television currently?
2: Um, I do not, <clears throat> I've been watching a lot of um, documentaries recently, cause that's what my boyfriend has been really wanting to watch and, um, but I do watch more, I think more TV than, than movies. Yeah. yeah.
0: Is, there a, is there a show that you go to that you want to kind of turn your brain off uh, like, I, as a writer, I'm assuming a lot of your time is spent, like, I got to create this thing. And then you probably put on, like, something to just say, I don't want to think about this. Is that, what 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 is that for you?
2: They're usually, like, I call them folding laundry shows. And they're, they yeah. are, they're very structured. Um, you know, I think one of mine used to be, like, Castle or, which are fun, but they're, like, especially as a writer from, like, the opening scene, you're, like, I know who did it. I know, like... <laughs> But so I, you, you kind of know who did it. If you watch enough of them and you write enough, you kind of and but it's still a fun show to watch, you know, the banter and everything. Um, and um, so that was, you know, shows like that that are very procedurals or or structured in, in the kind of the same every episode or like some reality television. Sometimes I'll watch that to turn my brain off.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> not mean. a lot, I'm, I'm, but a little
2: bit. Yeah.
0: Oh, I mm-hmm. am. I'm a reality TV junkie <laughs> Like if if I'm watching anything, I have to try to figure out what's going to happen. If it's a sci-fi, I give like three different like uh, this is probably going to happen or this or this. But if I put on a reality show, I just I'm like ah, oh, these people are so stupid. <laughs> and I and I I literally just do not think about anything and I consume it and I I, I love it. Um, oh, that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, kind of the same way. I, I like the folding laundry shows. That's that's cool. Uh, Dylan, what's your folding laundry show right now?
1: Right now. Uh, man, I
0: don't know. Um, well, okay, Miss Lambert, here's a question for you <laughs> while Dylan's thinking of television. Um, when you have okay, so Dylan and I, I have a lot of ideas. I send Dylan text messages constantly, all week long, of weird ideas, uh, all the time. Some are just not good, and that's fair, but I, I like them and I want to explore them. When you get to an idea that you maybe have worked on a little bit, and you're like, I don't know if this is a good idea. What do you do with it? Do you throw it away or do you just back burner it until you uh, can put something else into it? Or has that never happened to you and you are way better than me?
2: <laughs> no, it happens all the time. Um, <laughs> I think I actually have one right now that's kind of really that space. And I i have a writer's group. You know, I think the writer's groups are really, um, can be really helpful in that too. Um, I, you know, I had this vomit draft that I just wrote and, and I'm just kind of, reworked it a little bit, but I'm like, I don't know if this is gonna work or not, or if this is just silly. And so I'm thinking I'm gonna give it to my writer's group and say, so is there anything here, or am I just being crazy? Should I put it to the side, you know, and kind of get some feedback that way? Because sometimes you're so close to it, you don't know.
0: Yeah, I I often have that, uh, that problem where I'm like, I don't know if this is its own idea, or if this is just a character beat in a way better story. And mm-hmm. I I constantly fight with that. I'm like, maybe uh, that's why I give it to Dylan. Dylan, you know, obviously he, he went to college he learns, he knows how to write uh, way better than I do. So I'm like, is this something I have no idea, dude? I don't know. And he always says uh, no. And then he steals my ideas. But, so <laughs> it does <gives> something.
2: <laughs> or they um, can be asking the right questions about, oh, I kind of like it, but what's this and this and this? And mm-hmm. it can actually spawn some more ideas. And you're like, oh, that's what I could do with it.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. That's cool. We need to get a writer's group, Dylan. That's a good idea.
1: I, um, okay. I, well, I was on Saturday mornings and then I started having to work on Saturday mornings. So,
0: oh, I'm sorry. He, he considers us filming a movie as work. So he keeps saying <laughs> that he has to work, uh, which is weird. <laughs> um, okay, Dylan. So we got to get yeah. to at least one of these plot points here. So, what would yeah. you say is the first arc we want to get to just to start telling this stuff? Um, is I'm... it that we find out that the uncle did it or that he? <clears throat> Devin has more knowledge than we knew about.
1: I think they bring in the surgeons who do it and then the uncle there's something that like triggers the um, detectives or neurologists kind of like brain a little bit where they're like wait a minute the uncle just said something kind of self incriminating but the case is closed so I can't do anything about it and it's like you know someone does kind of get away but then someone also does pay for it so you've got a little bit of catharsis with actually closing the case while also not quite addressing the actual reason that it happened. And you've got the kid who's like on memory dialysis. So he's going to be okay. He's just going to be on assisted care for a long time. And so you've got, you've got the completion feeling of like, well, I found the guys who technically did it, but the guy who put them up to it is still out there. Um, I'm seeing, I like the red herring in investigative things. Maybe, um, maybe one of his, maybe one of the kids like friends that he runs, that he parties with is like a recreational user of this thing. So they initially target him as like, well, yeah, but you've got a memory kick. So like, come on, you know, all you, you know, your, your dad runs a pharmacy company or something like that. You know, you would know how to do this. He goes, I don't do that to people I know. And also I buy it off of people. So I'm on the up. Red herring done, um, I think a large portion of this is going to be him going after the actual people who performed the act and not the people who put him up to it,
0: yeah, what would you say is the second arc that we want to get to on the way back down towards the end that it was the uncle I think or that for some reason, Devin had two brain pearls <laughs> that's probably stupid that's dumb. <laughs> Ah, uh, I like the
1: idea that it's like. So what we could do? No is, idea what
0: you're gonna
1: say. So what we could do is two separate kind of like. It's a misunderstanding. Devon's friend, whose dad run is part of like a pharmaceutical thing, they were messing around with the idea of potentially developing a second one inside people's brains, just completely unrelated to the theft of it. They were like, hey, we've got a procedure and you know what it's like to have two, like you can, one of them, you know, one of them is where you store it. And one of them is where you retrieve it. Something along those lines. For some reason, there's a benefit to having two of them. And then pure happenstance, Devin becomes the CEO or something. And the uncle's like, this kid's not fit to run it. So they extract one without realizing the second one is there. And then the uncle is like, that should have rendered him obsolete and yet it didn't so you've got the cat and mouse game of the uncle trying to be like no it's just a miracle he's still <laughs> active uh, uh is there anything in that or is, do you feel like that's a little convoluted or is that too kind of like i don't know
0: that sounds crazy yeah <laughs> this is a crazy idea it is a crazy idea. Uh, I think that we, uh, bit off a little more. We could chew with the story here. We well, that's why we have our Tuesday shows. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. So, uh, okay. I think that we got to take some time and, and really focus on this thing. Uh, cause that, that just changed. I think a lot of this, um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh Miss Lambert, I just want to say thank you so much for taking any time whatsoever. Uh you are super busy, you're super talented, and uh we're probably not worthy, but we appreciate you <laughs> taking your time and just uh hanging out and answering a lot of Dylan's questions about his favorite show, The Expanse. That's so cool. Thank
2: thank you so much for having me, you guys. This has been a lot of fun. You guys now, are fun. Is there
0: any- <laughs> Thank you very much. Is there anything you want to tell our viewers to go watch or a website or something they can buy or anything at all that could help you out whatsoever?
2: Uh well, watch The Expanse. <laughs> um, no, I I, not don't have anything to sell except for myself. Hi.
0: No, that's great. <laughs> that's more than enough for us. That's great. I
2: don't, uh, I don't okay. have a book out. I don't have anything. I don't know.
0: <laughs> no, that, that that's totally fine. And I, I just wanted to give you the opportunity in case you wanted to uh just say uh no. you know, whatever. Uh, that's cool. Uh, okay. Friends, uh, listen, we bit off a lot of a weird project here that we're going to take a little bit of time to kind of figure this out, but that has pretty much been our show. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us and making another weird, but weird, you know, obviously very weird project for some nobodies to work on. You can see how this thing is going to uh, progress. If you just go to our website, somenobodies.com, Uh, and you can see what Dylan is going to try to get me to do with, uh, pearls of wisdom.
1: Um, i i have something we'll talk later <laughs> well well give it to me now i want to hear it okay so i hear it so yeah part of the mystery of the first half is that Devin is still cognizant they're like he had his brain pearl extracted and he's still here like that's weird and then part way through you learn that he has a second one and that's the impetus for the second arc where it's like what do you mean he has a second one
0: i love you it. learn it, you learn it part way through yeah yeah, no, I'm okay. With it. I think I think that's probably yeah. the smartest way to go without this being aggressively bleak. Um, <laughs> uh, but either way, yeah. All right, my own time. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll we'll get it together, Dylan. Uh, Yeah. And like I said, if you want to check out this one of our weird projects, you can always go to our website. We do have a Patreon. If you want to help out and and help us create some more weird stuff, uh, you can go to patreon.com backslash some nobodies. Like I said earlier, we do have a movie that's in post-production. It's called Give Me Back. It's a weird little project that we created on this show uh, back in episode four, I think. Um, and you can check out that, that at our, uh, all of our, I don't know, whatever. You, you know what yeah. I'm going to say, guys. Listen, thank you so much for paying attention to us. I crave attention. I like it. I like when people look at me, and you guys look at me. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you to Dylan, my very, very best friend, and one of the few people that can stand listening to me talk uh, constantly. I do appreciate you. Thank you to IBM TV for uh, giving me a platform and a link that I can click on to make sure that Dylan has to talk to me for at least 90 minutes uh, every <laughs> single week. So thank you so much for that uh manhattan and scene snobs are awesome we got four nominations just so you know we are uh an award nominated podcast now uh things are happening big for us which is great uh and i once again i need to say i if if my camera could bend down i would get on my knees to say thank you so much (laughs) Miss this has been a a way bigger honor than you could ever understand uh dylan has been so excited about this for weeks and uh (laughs) when he had that little issue earlier but whatever no big deal thank you so much for being on here uh i have been zach he's been dylan you have been great thank you so much we'll see you next week bye later take it easy out there everybody
1: The people are the day. 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 The people are the day.
0: The people are the day. 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 The people are the